Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bradley Radio. Um, so I started this podcast in April 2018. It's now September 2019. And I'm hardly surprised that I haven't actually really got this podcast going because um, I'm kind of one of those people that starts up a lot of things or has a lot of sort of ideas and goes, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And either starts it and then doesn't finish it or doesn't progress with it or I just don't get it started at all so the very fact that I started this podcast in in April and I've published three episodes in a year and a half doesn't surprise me but the good news is that I have actually got my finger out and pre-recorded some episodes so I'm not about to release this episode and then not do another one for six months (laughs) this is episode was recorded in February so I have been recording them um but I just haven't been publishing them or editing them incredibly lazy but I've had a lot going on so this episode I really enjoyed and I hope you're going to enjoy it too so my friend Jason if you've heard any of my other podcasts then you would know Jason not necessarily on this show but I did a podcast with Jason for quite a few years called don't be so dramatic which is still out there somewhere if you're feeling curious and you fancy listening to it um but yeah jason introduced me to uh, a friend of his called marcaeus who came over from the states in february and we sat down and recorded a podcast because marcaeus is a therapist um based in california and this whole episode i found absolutely fascinating the wisdom, the knowledge, the explanations that were given out as we talked about various different subjects just blew me away. A couple of times I was actually speechless um, because I was just blown away by the wisdom and I had a lot of self-realizations throughout this podcast. I hope that you find it uh, as equally fascinating as I did. So the kind of things we talk about is his upbringing Um, why he became a therapist, some tools that you can take away from this that you can do for yourself if you are someone like me who likes to kind of self-analyze but not in a destructive way, hopefully, in a kind of working on yourself and trying to become a better version of yourself and self-development. If you're someone that likes to ask questions and try to dive into why you feel certain things, then this episode, I think, provides a good basis, a good foundation to understand why we are the way we are and also carrying that through to future generations. There's also some really good insights into personality disorders. It was one of the things that we talk about, some misconceptions around them. Um, We talk about narcissists, gaslighting. So now that I think about it, this podcast is actually quite deep. And we go into quite a lot of deep subjects. Um, but like I said, I learned a lot from it. I thought it was great. I hope you enjoy it. Here's me, Marcaeus, and Jason. Marcaeus? Right. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank and Jason. You. Hello. Hey. <laughs> so um, let's dive straight in with like anyone that doesn't know who you are like or what you do at this point, if they haven't read the description or seen your Facebook page or something like that, just give a quick summary of what you do and also then how you got to do that okay 
So my name is Marcus Littlejohn. I am a licensed therapist. And how did I become a therapist? I was kind of the person in my family that always was the one that everybody came to with their problems. And so it kind of naturally happened. And when I found out I could get paid for it, it was one of those <laughs> things that I was like, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely going to do this. But no, um, I like helping people. So I think as a therapist and helping people, it kind of goes together because you have to have a heart for people, a passion for people, and you have mm. to actually understand where they're coming from and see it from their point of view. So once you can do that, I think that that's what makes you a good therapist. So Were you doing that from a young age then? Yeah, it you started like, when I was probably five. Really? How come? Um, just growing up in a big family, having different family dynamics and being the one that everybody could relate to and come and talk to, I think it was kind of a natural progression for mm. me to become a therapist like it was meant to be because i didn't want to be a therapist i want to be a doctor but here we are <laughs> so that was like your early training it was like because it, it's amazing we don't realize when we're children how those experiences that seem like non-important are actually indicators of who we are to become right um, whether we kind of like it or not it's kind of the situation we're landed in um so, just out of curiosity, are you the youngest? In your I am not. I'm near the oldest. Are you like, near the oldest? Yeah, I'm near the oldest of the kids. I'm top, top four. Top four. How <laughs> many are there? <laughs> um, my dad has 16, and so my mom has three and two, well, five. It was wow. like five of us, kind of, with a blended family. So, yeah. So, that's a big family. Yeah, it is. Huge. Are you, how are you, how's your relationship with all... Um, with some of my brothers and sisters, like anybody, like you with a large bunch, you have some you're close to, some you kind of talk to on holidays, and some you kind of just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but th- this is the way, like, this is the thing. It's not, it's just that you, you're you different people, aren't you? Right, like, you are. And especially with that many people. You, and you just, have age differences, different values, other yeah. parents that have influenced their behavior. So it's kind of like a big group. Even with a big group or a family, you get along with some people. Some people, you don't have personalities that vibe with each other. They might be toxic people. So with toxic people, you kind of have to separate yourself. Because if somebody doesn't love or participate in relationship the way that you need for them to do and you talk to them and they still are negative and toxic, sometimes you have to separate yourself from those people. Yeah. How how did you... Did it just seem a natural fit for you to be that person in the family? I don't know if I was chosen to be that person or it was a natural fit, but it just happened. Like, it meshed, and I've always been a person that never meets strangers that can talk to people. So, I don't know. Maybe it was just meant to be. Yeah, that's crazy. So, what kind of situation would you deal with, without getting too personal, like, as an example of, like, because five years old, so young, and yet to be such a wise figure in the family... I think also in going to school as a four, five, six-year-old, I was different from the other kids, so kind of an outcast kid. So I guess being an outcast kid, you learn to have sympathy and empathy for other children because you know what it feels like. Right. And I think that in a family with a lot of dynamics and a lot of different types of energy, being like that neutral person kind of helps ground people or people that need to come up, you kind of can give them that energy that they don't have. So it's kind of being that neutral person that was in the middle mm. all the time that could understand people and give off good energy. Would you say that you're like the peacemaker kind of? I am. In, in the family. Like, I'm like the peacemaker slash father to everybody that kind of is that person that's like, 
you need to get it together. Like you're that person that needs to like you shouldn't be doing that. So that one person that will call everything out but will still love you and doing it in a nice way. Yeah. So it's kind of like that father figure. That's really interesting. I, I can feel a parallel with that in, in, in my life as well. So what things from being that person in the family, how did that turn into being a therapist? Like, did you grow up and just think, I, I'm, I'm this kind of person, maybe that's so, the career I want? I would say even in junior high and high school, I became that person for my friends. And so even they were having relationship drama, whether I was going through relationship drama or not, like if they came to me and talked to me, like all my stuff we put aside and I'm like, okay, this is what you need to do. This is how you handle it. No, you were wrong in this situation because you talk to people, da, 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 da. And so when you scream at people or you say hurtful things, like, of course, they're not going to want to be around you or different things like that. So I was in college and I was taking an abnormal psychology course for my major and I was like I really like this class like this class is cool and so I had another elective and I was like I'm gonna take this it was like psychology 202 class and I'm just gonna see I'm just I just want to know what it's like yeah and so I took it and then so I graduated without on that degree it was child and family studies and with a minor in child developmental psychology because I had taken so many minors at that point and with the pre-med minor, so I had two minors, but I had taken so many at that point, I was like, I might as well just make it a minor at this point. And so I was finishing, even though I was a pre-med minor, I still had a couple more classes. So I went back to school to finish those couple classes, and I took another psych class. And so I was like, uh, I need my GPA to be a little bit higher for med school, so why don't I just go get this therapy degree while I'm waiting on that and... <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> that's crazy. So you wanted to be a doctor. Right. I wanted so to that's be OBGYN. Were, right. So that's what you right. were going for. And then all of a sudden, these other things just kept coming up. Right. That so you're it's like, like the repeating thing that the universe kept sending around like, hey, you need to do it. This is what you're meant to do. And so it happened mm. eventually. I think it's funny, isn't it? How, again, like just reiterating the point earlier that sometimes you just can't avoid right. things like your, your, your life is heading down a certain point. Um, and that it's okay for it to change. Like Jason, with you recently, with the changing into becoming a coach and the mindfulness and everything, like that's not what you wanted. Like, no, I was going to be a, 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 I was going to be a star on Broadway. <laughs> that's what I was going to be in West End. And and yeah, I was very lucky that I did do some of that as a young person. I was out there working in London, and but everything that I learned as a as a performer and as then a theatre director was about communication about how to speak to people how to mm. speak to actors because they're very sensitive people how to speak to different people and that's so in my talks i feel or when i'm in, invited to speak it's not that i'm i know how to work the crowd which sounds a bit naff but but i i can understand where to plant things yeah so that hopefully someone gets so Yes, my, my early life was all about performing and, and understanding that, which within itself is a, a huge lot of different headspace and how that works and, and the, the, the highs and the lows. And so learning the well-being that way around uh, and then going through my own personal journey and, and understanding that actually the stuff that comes out of my mouth is from experience and just from learning. And actually that's what we're all about here. It's about to evolve have the conversation mm. constantly and, and see what comes from that. Well, this is the thing as well. Like, I feel like with, with your upbringing and mm. things like that and the things that you've gone through, like your understanding of people 
and that ability to help other people going through similar things. I think. Like, well, yeah, I think so. I mean, in in my case, the the most dramatic was obviously a relationship I had for for a very long time that was very abusive, and there were many times where I could have literally just left, but I never did. And I look back now and think, why did I never leave? Be- that's because I needed to learn. Hmm. Luckily, I'm still alive, <laughs> but I needed to learn and be there. And so, if I talk to someone now, it's not that it, it, it and someone's going going through something that has nothing to do what, with what I've been through. But there's going to be a link of some sort there. Mm. So, I suppose you could say twenty years of abuse is, is training of some sort. So the the interesting thing that I think that I want to talk about now is you mentioned child therapy. You dealt with that and you work with children mm. so where did that passion come from with you learning about child therapy and things like that and does that play a factor in what you do now it does um just in development in general i'm um, growing up as a child like and being different from other kids i think it kind of started off uh, like what my development is this like everybody else's how was mine different like was i really a normal child and told myself that i wasn't a normal child so it kind of that's where the whole child development part started like i just wanted to figure out how kids develop into the people that they are right and so in doing that it was kind of like oh i guess i was normal even though I, I thought i was abnormal i was really normal but of course everybody feels like at some point that they're not like everybody else so yeah and that's normal because if yeah. you do feel like everybody else then you don't have your own personality so that was kind of the thing i learned and in working with adults now Adults are bigger children, and usually with adults, there's a kid inside that has unresolved trauma from childhood that they never dealt with that is driving an adult body. So in therapy, you have to get to know that inner child to help the child get to the adult level. And so it's like holding their hand and starting off at the beginning because children don't always trust you when they've been through trauma and abuse. So you have to build that relationship and rapport with that child so the adult can finally heal and be their whole person. That's just blown me away. <laughs> That's left me speechless. I was thinking, as, as you were ending that, I was like, I, I, I can't... That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anything else to say. That's fascinating. Are you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to actually kind of add on, and it's, it's interesting because I think this is the thing. What we do with children is we tell them to not do this, to stop that, don't have that thought. So we train them very young, but actually having worked with them, I realized that actually they have a huge amount of gifts and a huge amount of wisdom when they arrive, um, and we don't listen to that. And we, mm. if it's slightly, they'll say something that may be slightly embarrassing, but actually it's maybe it's something really wise. So we, we cut that down, we shut that down. Um, and so children possibly then think, oh, maybe I'm not normal because I'm thinking or feeling this way, but actually I've been told by whoever to not think that way. So, and so then, hence, 30 years later, they come and see Macias because, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, because they haven't been able to be who they are. Yeah. Right. And so I've, and I've, I've seen uh, the way teachers in specific talk to children. I think, wow, do you not, do you really not hear right. what you're saying and how you're saying it? Mm. Um, so I think the way we speak to children or the way we allow children to be is, is really, really important. Is that something then that, Makaya, you help with parents to understand their children or like, you know, because um, I imagine you work with both right. in terms of dealing with um, their behaviors and stuff. 
does that make sense does that what jason just said is that something that you you relate to in so, who you, what you do with them it does most of the time when it when it comes to the parents and the children the parents experience in life affects how they deal with their children because children are imaginative children are open they're fearless and parents have a lot of fear so once trauma happens in your life you have like this the scar and so what parents do is they try to protect their children and instead of protecting them they stunt them and they tell them you can't be who you are this is who you have to be to survive in a world and that is what causes the trauma in their children because the children never get to experience the full range of who they are and they become stunted and once you become stunted then you you don't have an outlet to be who you are and you feel like you have to be other people and you're not normal because you're not yourself. So you're not being your normal self, your true authentic self. So I think that's where people like Jason comes in handy and being able to tell kids you can be who you are. Mm. And then my job comes in telling the parents, you are telling your kids they can't be who they are because of your experiences. So let's deal with your inner child so your real child doesn't have to go through the stuff that you're going through now. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Let's tell you a story. I was, I was with, I was, after doing uh, um, some well-being uh, stuff with, with some children, uh, one child in the summer holidays went home and, and said, yeah, you need to go and see Mr. Moore because you're just too stressed. And I just, you need to see Mr. Moore. So it's, it, when I have parents approach me for possible coaching with their child, they ask me in such a British polite in the same way, it's kind of like slightly scared. And what they're really saying is, can you please coach me? You can actually kind of see that what they're actually saying is, actually, it's, it's, it is about my child and my child. But actually, I think I may need it as well. And it's, you mm. can actually see that. So I think, I think well-being and development within children is really important, of course. But I also think that actually well-development... Uh, well-being and self-development in adults mm. is extremely important because they're the ones talking to the children. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it works both ways. And Agreed. I think once adults understand that actually their children are kind of at the same level as them in the sense that they have just amount of rights as, as, as for development, mm. they're actually empowering themselves in, a, in, a, in another way. And they think, oh, okay, I don't mm. have to have such hard responsibilities. I can actually allow the child... And so I just guide the child as opposed to the child being mine and I have to control, control everything. The child will tell you what, yeah. what it wants. And yeah. you just have to allow that and guide. That's what parenting is. So is that the kind of approach that you take with like, your clients? You know, is that, like, let's, I want to get into, without giving away everything, but like giving a, maybe a couple of tools that like, maybe something that a parent listening to this might take away from it and just go, oh, maybe I should consider that or something that you would highlight to someone or maybe a tool or an exercise that you would do with someone. Just give an example of something that you might do that might help people. One of the things that I would do is, first of all, like you said, with control. And if a parent has to always feel in control, one of the exercises I might do is ask the parent, what is the opposite of control? And they would say, not having control. And then I would say, so when you don't have control, what do you feel like? And then the parent will probably say chaotic or this or that and that. So then you want to not feel in chaos. When is the first time you felt your life was in chaos? And then it will probably go back to childhood or an experience. And then I say, 
So the feeling that you're feeling now, give it a name. What is it really? And it's not control. Control is not its name. What is its real name? And nervous, worrying, feeling like you always have to be in control is anxiety. So give it its name. And how is anxiety now controlling your life with your kid because you're so anxious that something is going to happen to the kid. The kid is not going to be accepted. You're controlling the kid's life and you're because you don't want it to be out of control because not knowing is scary. But that's mm. also the best part of life. And kids don't know. And that's why kids live such brilliant lives because they're okay with the chaos and out of control. Yeah. Because it's like an artist. Yeah. An artist doesn't always paint within the lines. And life is not always within the lines. And dysfunction and distress comes from always trying to paint inside of the lines. Get crazy and go outside of the lines. <laughs> so good. So good. I was just going to say quickly, just before you add to it, that it's like they project their anxieties, their worries. They project them onto the child right. and put them in a framework that they're not in. Right. In a structure that they're not involved in. So we are just reflections of our parents in that respect. Uh, I'm just kidding. But is yeah is is can be frightening oh, yeah. unless unless the the dots have been connected and right. unless unless like people like you or they do this own their own self work right. where they identify those things and break down those beliefs. What are you gonna say? Yeah. I was just gonna <coughs> excuse me, sorry. I was just gonna say um, yeah. Rec- I think going going back, which is very much a more a therapy thing than a coaching thing. Uh, definitely uh, recognizing a time when chaos didn't exist or whatever example it is and i think on a on a coaching well-being spiritual way i would i would add to that in saying so once that was created that good feeling it still exists and so you just need to remember that and reconnect to that and then find the times when you can have that and allow that to, to to exist and i think one i think one of the best things i would suggest is parents or or with children and just parents adults with other adults is is learn to meditate together and that mm. even if that is mean putting some nice music on and just being chilled for a bit what's the conversation you have after that and mm. if you have a meditation what conversation we have because in meditation free free thought is mm. allowed and so then maybe you're opening up to another conversation with whoever is sitting in front of you and it comes from a place of honesty. Yeah, the, people have feared about meditation and I don't mean you, it's, you have to be a guru, but I just mean just sit quietly with some mm. music or just, and just nice breathing and then how was that? Oh, was it weird? Mm. And then you, you're opening channels for a different conversation. Mm. Let's blend these two worlds together in the world, that world of what you do, Jason, the mindfulness and Marquez, your therapy world. Like, how does, how does that meet? Does, where does that meet in terms of the work that you do? Do you incorporate mindfulness and I do. things um, like that into your sessions? One of the things as a therapist I'm trained in is DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. And a big part of that is mindfulness. So whenever I do my vlog or even when I'm with a patient, when we first start off, if you're having an emotion, great. What emotion are you having? Give it a name. Once you give it a name, anxiety, depression, irritability, anger. Now, what is the intensity? Because Mm -hmm. a one out of 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the greatest, one out of 10 is easier if you're angry to make a decision. But when you're at a five or six out of 10, it's a little harder to make decisions, but you have to be aware that you're at a six out of 10. So when your boss says something or your spouse or partner says something and it doesn't 
hit you the right way, you don't automatically go into a full-fledged hurricane and, like, attack them. You can be like, okay, I'm at a 5 or 6 out of 10. I'm irritable. I'm angry. So before I say something, I'm going to think about it, and then I'm going to respond. Compared to when I'm at a 1, I'm like, oh, you say whatever you say. I don't care. At a 7, you're like, you always are. And then so it becomes an argument and something bigger than it has to be. Uh, if you're depressed, a one out of 10 in depression is like, oh, I might be a little depressed, so it's not really bad. But if you're at a seven and you blow a tire or you now go to work and your boss says something on a report that you work really hard on and now they're like, it wasn't good enough, go back and do it. And you're already at a seven out of 10, like you're in the bathroom breaking down and crying at this point and under the desk and you have to know that before you go into the meeting and say, whatever they say to me is, I'm not going to take it personally. They're doing their job and they're instructing me how I can be better at my job. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm not enough. It's just that I could tweak it and become better. So you just know that going in so you can reframe the story mm -hmm. that you're hearing. So mindfulness, putting it in front of your mind and knowing that, hey, I'm angry with my partner, but my partner might be saying some great things. So I'm at a six out of 10 going in. So I'm going to stop and not try to be right. I'm just going to listen to what mm. they're saying. And so I agree with the mindfulness and meditation mm. and just quieting yourself and stilling yourself so you can have the conversations or interactions that you want to have and not the ones that you don't want to have that are currently dysfunctional. So I agree with Jason. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I was just going to add, just, so naming, naming anger or stress or anything like that, I, 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 do, I do that as well. And in the sense that actually this is with adults as well as children. And this is, this is where I think coaching and therapy are, there is a link. They're very different, but there is a link. And I think I ask people to, again, name, give it a name uh, and ask people to draw it. What does it look like? What colors is it? Hmm, and right. sometimes we do a cartoon so let's have a journey. Let's have a, 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 a storyboard mm. for your... And maybe it's funny. So maybe stress is... So then it's not as powerful mm. as, as we think it is. Mm. And I think visualization is a huge thing as well. So just talk about the, going into the interview and the boss and all kind of stuff. Is that if you know these feelings are going to come up, because it's to visualize way before being in the place being at the interview being right. at the wherever to have that visualization it doesn't mean that everything you visualize and create is going to happen but it does mean that you are more comfortable in yourself within that mm. so i think visualization and meditation are very helpful led the right way mm. I, I love it because it's like what I feel like we're going with this is the therapy dealing with the past the emotions and the traumas and the way that we can overcome those and then using mindfulness to bring that into how we deal with the present day moments and how those might trigger us so I love this kind of blend that that I feel like people listening to this will hopefully have understood um, of how to deal with different emotions day to day and also deal with things in the past so one of the things like on my vlog Carlos Corner that I talked about is kind of an example of naming it, why it's so important. If you walk into a room of people and you say, hey, you, everybody's going to turn around. Hmm. But if I say, hey, you, Jason, specifically, you know who I'm talking to, that person will turn around and it gets the desired effect. Just like with emotions, like a lot of people say anger. Anger is like the cover up when it comes to men. 
anger is the coverall emotion because anger is something that is okay for men to show. Mm. But what you're not saying is I feel scared and vulnerable. Those are the emotions. That, those are the real emotions that drive anger. And wow. so when you can call frustration or vulnerability out, then you can say, okay, why do I feel vulnerable? Instead of saying, why, why am I always angry? That doesn't solve the problem because that's not the root. Why am I feeling vulnerable? Because when I was smaller, my dad or mom said this, did this, and it affected me in the way of I would never let anybody else. Let's say if your parents were very toxic and verbally abusive, I'm never going to let anybody talk to me like that when I grow up. So now when somebody comes at me threateningly, I am going to be really angry and big and I'm going to puff up like a puffer fish or like a a polar bear and I'm going to scare them away before they can hurt me. Mm. That's what is really happening. So giving it a name helps you identify what's really going on in the real process. Yeah, Yeah. because you recognize it and you go, oh, it's that. Ah, because you feel it. We all have, we have certain feelings and we go, oh, why am I feeling this? I remember this feeling. Oh, it's because of that. Okay. So that was that. This is now. That's not the same. They're two different things. But the feelings come up, but I can I, now I recognize what it's, where it's come from. Now I recognize where I am. Now I can make the decision. Do I want to use the old experience or do I want to use the, create the new experience? Mm. So, yeah, it's, mm. it's, 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 that, it's that, one, that split personality thing. It really is that split personality thing where you just observe, like we call the great observer. You get sit back and go, okay, right, okay, what's going on here? That's happening over there. That's happening over there. Which is the the best choice for me right now mm. and if you want to go and be angry go and be angry but if right. you don't want to be angry don't be it's, your, it's the choice is it a case of asking the right questions in order to get to the root of that anger because I think it's so easy for an outside person you know to go to someone and go and say I'm feeling angry and then they ask you the right questions how can we self so analyze ourselves? one of the things is if you're in the forest you can't see the tree sometimes or if you're in a fire you don't see the flames yeah so that's why i think it's good for people sometimes to go to therapists and the reason why is because sometimes if you're in it you can't see it like it was a story about an elephant so it was an elephant that was in a hole and the elephant was in distress and the elephant was like tiring itself out like beating back and forth and it took a man to come up to the elephant and say hey just stand up you're bigger than a hole just stand up and the elephant stood up and it was able to get out of the hole but the elephant was in so much distress that it couldn't rationalize standing up so sometimes you need that outside person Mm. but you yourself have to realize that there's a problem to be able to go find someone who can give you the help that you need and a lot of people don't want to admit that there are problems most of the time and they keep doing the same thing over and over and over and it just doesn't work doing it over and over and over. Like, Brilliant. go find someone who can help you get to where you want to be by having a vision of what you want your life to be, which is where vision boards and mm. having a plan for your life come in handy because you can't get to a new destination without a map. And a vision board is a map to get to the person you want to be from the person who you currently are. So, yeah. so good. I want to, did you want to say something? That's yeah, that's sorry. I just wanted to, <laughs> only because, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're talking about well-being as well. And, and to me, if we swap the words around, it's being well. Mm. It's being well with yourself. And we're talking about this and there could be somebody listening or whatever, someone in where we are right now thinking, well, that is a huge mammoth of a thing to do, to just suddenly self-love. That's a massive. But I think it's the small steps. It's being kind on tiny, tiny things 
just like oh, I had a good night's sleep thank you it's tiny stuff I can walk down the road thank you it's just about being kind very tiny to yourself and practicing that how does that feel like how does that feel like okay so now I can can thank myself for something a little bit bigger a little bit bigger okay and then, then you start to it starts to become a practice because don't forget affirmations are great and they're all wonderful and they are beautiful and we can look at thousands of affirmations saying I am I am I am I am which is true but we go all oh, affirmations are too hard but we do them all the time saying I'm rubbish I don't do this I don't do that so we are affirming already mm. so we just need to swap the affirmations around mm. and I think by a little bit of ki- tiny bit of kindness that can grow is one way to create self love well-being being well mm. all those kind of things I agree I agree great point the thing I want to touch on quickly is the post that you've done recently, Macias, on sorts of personality disorders, right, personality disorders, and um, how you categorise them. And I've got your uh, <laughs> your your post up because I found it so fascinating. And so I just want to, I suppose, educate people that might not be aware, or may be aware, but not perhaps to the level of detail that you went into on this post. How do you see personality disorders? Are these traits within people that they are not aware of that are toxic or harmful? So with personality disorders, um, one of the things I kind of touched on in the vlog was some are born in people and some are created in people. Right. And so the one that I would say is born in some people is antisocial personality disorder, which a lot of people think I'm antisocial. So basically, I don't want to talk to people, which is not what that means at all. Um, Antisocial is more so people who are calculating. And so basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to be super charming and I'm going to be lively in the life of the party and I'm going to do stuff and you're going to let your guard down. But secretly, I'm planning all alone to get you to do the stuff that I want you to do or I'm going to take advantage of you. And so with antisocial personalities, there's two parts of it um, that were old diagnosis that they kind of put together. There is the psychopath, which is a person that is born with certain parts of their brain, doesn't respond like everybody else. So for them, they don't have remorse and they don't really have a lot of the empathy. So for them, I am going to be superficial. I'm going to be charming, but I'm going to get what I want. So a lot of your serial killers are people who are psychopaths because they can they get you to trust them and then they do whatever they want to do and then you have sociopaths who are their environment teaches them to be more cunning and to be and they're more impulsive so it's kind of a difference in in the generality of my parents were abusive i had to leave my home i had to join a gang to survive and i had to adapt to gang life of killing people of being of selling drugs or different things like that because that was my survival method so i learned to not have remorse because if i had remorse i would always feel guilty from the stuff that i'm doing but since it's survival i can't feel guilty anymore so it stems from a like a survival instinct of fight or flight so the only way they could think of is to get involved in the situation to try and save themselves and narcissists are people who have this sense of I am superior but underneath like I said call out the real emotions they're they feel inferior and so they beat other people down because when you build somebody up which is giving them praise and affirmation like you bring them in because people like that people aren't used to that so you you like that feeling and then what a narcissist does is I'm going to give you this feeling I'm going to gaslight you or gas you up to give you this feeling so you can feel great 
But then what I'm also going to do is it's like a drug. I'm going to take it away because then when I take it away, you're going to miss it and you're going to chase after it. And in the process of you chasing after it, you're going to start doing it to me and you're going to start telling me how great I am. And because I don't feel great about myself, that's what I need. That's the gas that I need to run my or petrol that I need <laughs> <laughs> to run my car to make me feel good about myself. So that's what I need. And so usually people with, that are narcissists, A, have grown up with a narcissist parent and they have like and they now need that validation because they always give that validation to a parent or B, they were children that were in school that never fit in with their other classmates that were bullied and made fun of. And now they found a way to feel good about themselves and to make people now admire them instead of treating them a certain way. So with personality disorders, there are traits, but they're also, like I said, again, are usually results from trauma that somebody has experienced in their life. And it became a survival technique for them mm. and so a lot of people stigmatize personality disorders as a horrible thing but if you break it down it's a lot of trauma that people have dealt with that they're still here and surviving but they need to learn a different way or want to learn a different way to survive mm. that's brilliant the so that you did um, a live recently about um narcissists narcissists right. and so if you're if you're with someone that is displaying those behaviors how can you cope with that if you suddenly become aware oh i'm a victim of gaslighting or oh i'm like is there any ways that you can help so deal with if that? you realize if you go back and watch the live and hey my partner has a lot of those traits i can a lot of the narcissistic traits and i'm in this relationship the first thing you have to do is ask yourself do i really want to be in this relationship and if I do want to be in this relationship, what is the vision of a relationship? Like, what do I want to have in a relationship? What do I want my relationship to look like? And once you've kind of figured it out to yourself, it's going to that person and having an honest conversation and saying, in a relationship, I want it to be equally. I don't want one person to have more power than the other person because in a narcissistic relationship, there's always a differential of power. One person always holds the strings. So I want to, I want a relationship that's equal. I don't want it to be emotionally abusive. I don't want when we're in an argument or it doesn't go your way for you to disappear mm. and for me to have a void and feel lost. Like I want us to be able to have a conversation. And if you have that conversation and a person says, okay, which most narcissists are not going to say, okay, <laughs> but just let's say if you have a narcissist that's going to say, okay, you have to say, this is the way I want to love. This is the way I want to be in a relationship. And if that person then after that moment, because most people for five days will, will do what they say they're going to do. And after those five days, they go back to the old patterns and it keeps going back to the old patterns. At some point, you have to take your power back because, again, you can't blame it on somebody else once you've set the boundaries and you have to have firm, firm boundaries. And if you don't take the power back and you don't say, OK, you can't love the way I want to love. You can't be in a relationship the way I want some relationship. I'm going to remove myself. Mm. Then you are a, you're participating and letting it go. So it comes to the whole boundaries. Mm. And if somebody, basically, if a like a narcissist is going to say, I'm not going to do it. Like, it's going to be my way or the highway. Then again, taking your power and say, I'm going to put $5 of petrol gas in my car and I'm going to drive down the highway because I'm not going to do it. So I'm hitting the highway. So it's making those boundaries for yourself, taking your power back 
and doing what you have to do to be good for yourself. Yeah, I, I, thank you. That's brilliant. That was great. It was great. I know you're itching to say something. <laughs> we're done. We're done. Um, I, uh, the level I'm coming from is more from a personal experience and, and recognizing what Makaias has just said. Um, I think definitely you have to find out why am I addicted to this situation? Because I remember someone saying to me years ago, you're addicted to each other. I was like, God, that's, what does that mean? And that was, that was a long time ago. And I think you have to understand, figure out, why am I addicted to this situation? Whether that's negative or positive, but why am I addicted to this situation? And then once you've recognized the addiction, they say, do I need the addiction? Is it really good for me? Mm. Yes or no? And is, because a narcissist will tell you, there is nothing beyond me. There is nothing beyond me. And if you go out into the world, you will not survive because I am, I've kept everything for you, in my experience anyway. Nobody's going to love you like I love you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's exactly the words. No one, the exa- though, no one will love you as much as I, those were the exact words. Um, and so, of course, because, I, because of feeding into the addiction, you believe that. And so you do think nothing is out there. So it's really, I think it's, it's to find a way to recognize the addictions. Are they worth being around for? And what is beyond? Because we, you know, of course, there's, there's many possibilities. But once you've been gaslighted and once you've been hauled in, you think there is nothing else available. So you will allow behavior. You will um, make excuses for. You will do all of, all of the things that, that when you look back years later, go, oh, my God, that is, I actually behaved like that. You will do all that kind of mm. stuff. But I think... I'm not sure how you recognize it in, in the sense that what I mean, it can take a while. You may need something big to happen for you to go, oh, okay, this is not, okay. So, you know, if anyone's listening again who is in that situation, I would say start to look at your addictions in that relationship. Mm. One thing I will say is for some people that are in the narcissistic relationship and they stay in the relationship, for some people, normal is dysfunction. So if I grew up in a situation where my mom or my dad was narcissistic to my other parent, then that's normal for me. So for me to be in this relationship is my normal. For me to leave this relationship is dysfunctional for me. Mm. So for some people, normal is dysfunction and dysfunction is normal. So you have to identify, again, give it a name. Where did it first start? And it first started growing up when my dad would come home and he would be physically or verbally or emotionally abusive to my mom and she would cry. And then he would go to the store later on when he felt bad about it and would buy her chocolates or a new dress or would buy her flowers and then all would be well with the world until he did it again. And I learned that that was normal. And I also learned that I should be more like my because like you said again we're 50 50 so either when you grow up and anybody looking back either you become your mom or your dad or you try to be the complete opposite of them but either way you go inherently you mirror one of your parents Mm. and so if you were if you like the fact of one parent had more power and you kind of wanted to adopt that we call it Stockholm syndrome, like that power or identification with the aggressor in therapy, then you become that narcissist or you become the dependent parent. 
yeah that needed that that parent or you don't get in a relationship at all because i don't want to deal with those dynamics so i'm just not going to do it at all <laughs> so i'm going to be great by myself and grand and so you have to see how your parents relationship and your relationship as a child still presents itself in your life because the universe will always bring stuff that you haven't dealt with back in your life over and over and over until you finally get it right and do you want to get it right or are you still learning the lesson and some people it takes 30 40 50 60 years to learn the lesson i like to learn it pretty quickly so <laughs> yes <Yeah, same. laughs> yeah wayne dye used to say uh you know you know you, you oh no, it was either esther hicks or wayne dye used to say you know great you can you can get 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 at the end but we don't want you to croak before you go why don't you just try and get it now and i think it's what mccarthy just said it it goes back to children again Hmm. what you say in front of children what you how hmm. you speak to children it's it's that's goes back to that how do you respond and speak to in front of children and each other and as adults yeah. how hmm. do we treat each other do we treat you know if, if you're talking about the universe if we're going to put out stuff we're going to get exactly what's coming back so if i'm unkind unkindness is going to come back to me so i have to start being kind to me and to everyone around to think okay where's my balance but that's a bit of a more of a woo-woo kind of exp uh, explanation. But yeah, know. it comes back to self-awareness, and I, I love. I've really. I, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up because I really have really enjoyed this conversation, and I can really see links between everything that you said. And also, I think people listening to this will hopefully take on board a lot of what has been said because I think there's so much to learn and take away from this conversation of how perhaps they deal with their present relationships or how they deal with their past relationships and traumas and things like that and to just ask people just ask themselves questions not to be afraid um to show a vulnerability to to go and see um, there is that stigma of i'm seeing a therapist and oh there must be something wrong with you well no it's it's it can be a checkup if there's things that you said that you you can't self-analyze everything and you need someone outside to question things that you behaviors and things that you feel and where did they stem from so I think that if anything, this hopefully this podcast will help people to open up and ask themselves questions and also be self-aware of how they deal with their current relationships with people, um, not just their partners, but also their children and their friends and their family. So thank you, Macias, This is and Jason, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This has <laughs> been a beautiful conversation and I hope everyone's enjoyed it. Thanks. So there it is. I did say it was quite deep. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I certainly got a lot from it. Um, if you want to follow Marques, then I'm going to put some um, links in the description uh, of the podcast uh, so you can hit him up on Instagram. Um, I'll say his Instagram handle now if you want to check it out. It's uh, Cairo's Corner, and that's K A I R O. S K O R N E R Cairo's corner. Uh, or if you just hit up Marcus little John on Instagram, you'll find him. He's on Facebook. He does loads of videos, loads of content, um, which I think you'll love. So if you want to continue following his work, then find him over on social media. And like I said, at the beginning, I've recorded some more episodes. This isn't going to be the last one for a little while. Um, so I'm going to continue working on the other edits of the other shows. I've got about four others planned, so hopefully I'll get those out to you soon. Bye.